The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Good morning. After our wonderful winter session with eight people taking Jukai, the room is still full of deep Nen, even though some of our seats look empty. And it's good to see two of those eight here today. And you did a great job first time Gyorin on a Sunday morning. When we first take a role as officer in the Zendo no matter what we're doing, it feels awkward and we feel self-conscious and we feel we are doing it. But as some of you have experienced with sincere effort and continuous practice, we do get out of our own way and whatever has to be done does itself through us. And this is why we take these roles so seriously. And give ourselves earnestly to doing our very best even though we feel that we're not yet worthy of the position. Because each one of us creates the atmosphere for our dedicated practice. And the more we do it, the less it seems as though it's each one of us separate from the rest. Everyone is striking Rokugyo together, striking the gong, leading the chanting, striking the han, the inkin, the bell that 
leads us in Zazen, taking care of people who come as Jisha. This is truly what we mean by Sangha togetherness, the three treasures in action. Today, I'm going to read from Shodo Hara's new book called Moon by the Window. And he starts with a line by Kido Chiguru Zenji, the last of the Chinese Zen ancestors before Nampo Shomyo Zenji. And it goes like this. I scoop up water and the moon is in my hands. Perhaps some of you saw last night's moon and stars. We had a moment or two of absolute clarity in Syracuse sky. The moon is waxing somewhere between half and full. And of course, as we all know, the moon is always full. But we are on this turning, always revolving planet. And from our perspective, we see the moon as rarely full, right? Rarely is it full. In any one month, how much time is it full? And that is like asking, when is now? Once upon a time, now was. And so we say, well, the moon is behind the clouds. Can't see it. And you all know, I'm sure, that the full moon refers to what? full radiance of our natural being. We just chanted Hakuin Zenji's song of Zazen. Sentient beings are all primarily, fundamentally, Buddha, whether cloud is covering or not, whether earth is turning in a direction away from it or not whether we are having some difficult trouble in our lives that makes us feel as though we're anything but Buddha or not. When we sit with cosmic mudra like this, hmm? cosmic mudra, what are we holding? 
you can try. All of you try. You may be more accustomed to rigorous Rinzai holding the fist of absolute oneness with all being, but try this very receptive. Receptive cosmic mudra and feel what is that? What are we holding? Connection. Okay. Connection. Is there anything that is left out? No. Nothing is left out. Hmm? You're holding openness. Feeling the connection. Feeling the openness. Oh, you might... Put it another way. What are you holding? Air. Hmm? Air. Air? Okay. Air is everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone else? What are you holding? Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Air. Everything connected. All these are wonderful responses. Anyone else? Like a world. Hmm? The world. The world. The universe. Yes. Putting our hands in the cosmic mudra. What are we holding? Whole universe. Entire cosmos. Or we might say, the full moon. Nick, you told me, you have to drink more. He thought my Taisha was a little long without enough to drink. So I scoop up water and the moon is in my hands, okay? This feeling, scoop up the water. So Harada Roshi says, this line from the records of Master Kido is a couplet with, I play with flowers and their fragrance clings to my clothes. Yogin Senzaki has a line that's quite similar about picking daffodils and the fragrances in the sleeves of my robes. To scoop up water and find the whole universe, all things connected, everything without exception, air, all of this It's all right here. He says, when we scoop up water into our hands and allow it to become still, the bright moon is reflected back to us. 
just as it shines in the sky above. Allowing it to become still. What is this? Our mind. What is it that allows our minds to become still? Zazen. Good answer. What we do. We sit down and we allow our minds to become still. Notice the word allow as opposed to force, right? As opposed to some kind of um, very oppressive or rigid attitude toward the mind, which is always active, right? The mind has its own activity, thinking process, awareness process, feeling process, always going on. So we allow it to become still. We allow this water that we've scooped up in our hands to become still so we're not going like this. And this is the same that we are doing. This is a a metaphor for our zazen. We're not feeding into the energy of thinking, feeling, but rather allowing it to calm down by holding our bodies in this wonderful, strong zazen position. The body and mind are one. The mind can become as still as we are when we sit. So zazen, sitting zen, is this moon is in my hands. The other line, the couplet, other line, I play with flowers and their fragrance clings to my clothes. That is zazen in action. That is the functioning, right? There is the stillness and the activity. And we can never separate them. But the mind must be allowed to be still in order for our activity, our words, our actions, our engagement with the world to be true, to be helpful rather than meddlesome or harmful. I think you all have experienced the difference from one to the other. Coming from a stillness of mind, we can discern what is appropriate action. Coming from churning agitation of emotional reactivity, we tend to make things worse, right? Maybe not you, but I know for me it has happened. So when we allow it to become still, the bright moon is reflected back to us. Last night it was pretty warm, so as I was out walking, I noticed there were little puddles, little areas of mud where water was still not frozen, and there was the moon. 
very still. Again and again and again. Each puddle, no matter how muddy, reflected the moon. Harada Roshi says, everything else is reflected as well. A child, an elderly person, a bird, a flower, settling right into our own hands. So here's scooped up water, and whatever else is in the room is also reflected. Likewise, when our mind is like a mirror with no separation between self and other, when our mind is like a mirror or this still water, there is no separation, is there? We can't say what's reflected in that scooped up water is self or other. It's all there. Everything is there, as you said. We can express ourselves with clarity and simplicity. As I said, that's the two lines of the couplet. So one is to realize this still bright moon. The other is to be able to express it or act upon it, function with it. He says, this is a very mysterious state of mind. It's not the usual dualistic mind of craving and aversion that brings so much suffering. Quite mysterious, so subtle, so profound. He says, pure, clear mind is the Buddha's wisdom. This pure, clear mind, when we allow it to take over, to be, It's always there, whether clouds coming or not. And we allow it to be revealed. Always revealing. As we hear in the dedication, Buddha nature pervades the whole universe. Revealing right here now. Therefore, we can unite with endless dimension, universal, light for light. Always we think, oh, the world is three-dimensional. 
right? Often it's two-dimensional, the way we receive things, two-dimensional. Me and it flattened out, lifeless. But at best we see it as three-dimensional. What's three-dimensional? What does that refer to? Depth, height, and width. So anyone has taken geometry probably knows depth, height, and width. Three-dimensional nature of the world. But that is limited. Endless dimension, universal life is what we are, what we can realize when we allow the mind, like this scooped up water, to become still. When we're not trying to manipulate what we see as three dimensions to go along with our view of what we want, that we need, right? When we stop trying to manipulate the three dimensions and stillness is allowed, then we can feel endless, indeed mysterious, pure, clear mind. Then he says, We are more than our physical bodies. So that's what I've been saying, right? We are more than these three dimensions. He says, we have feelings that can become perfectly matched with the feelings of another. This is a wonderful statement, isn't it? We have feelings that can become perfectly matched with the feelings of another. We often think it's an impossible enterprise that no one can ever feel what we're feeling and that we are just somehow unable to feel what seems to be really just ridiculous in someone else. And this is very sad, right? When you think about relationships that you may have had in the past or are having in the present, really the only reason for difficulty is that we have feelings that somehow are not perfectly matched with the feelings of another. There seems to be this almost, even getting very close, just a little bit off, right? And sometimes a lot off. Like, what universe are you in? 
I was reading in the paper some very difficult decisions were being made about the economy. This was, I think, about a year ago, and someone said something about, we really need to give more money into the deficit in order to make things really turn around. And someone else turned to her and said, what are you smoking? This is the way we think about another's feelings or another's ideas. They're out there. Some other universe. And I don't have to go there. Someday they'll figure it out and come to where I am. And this creates a lot of misery. So, he says, with this mind, capital M, we can know another's deepest joy and wisdom as our own. And we can know another's suffering as well. This functioning is called the compassion of the Buddha. Or going back to Master Kido, I play with flowers and their fragrance clings to my clothes. When the moon is in your hands, the stillness of mind, you can know another's deepest joy and wisdom as your own. Why? Because you reflect it completely. The bright moon is reflected back to you. Everything is reflected. Therefore, it is your own. This functioning, playing with flowers and smelling the fragrance, knowing the fragrance deeply, this functioning is called the compassion of the Buddha. So if we really, truly want to live a compassionate life, having compassion for ourselves, with all our difficulties and inabilities to really meet another completely, then this stilling of the mind is essential. Otherwise, anything but compassion manifests. Pity, maybe, condescension, probably, irritation, definitely, right? Then Hararoshi says, while we all are endowed with this original nature, we are not all able to live in this way. So we all have experienced the difficulty. We may truly believe we are endowed, and yet, and yet, and yet, over and over, we see we're not living. We just all re 
immersed ourselves in taking the precepts. And yet, even since last Sunday, what? Huh? Backsliding. Hmm? Backsliding. We are not all able to live in this way because I hope you're paying attention. Wake up. Because our minds are filled with impurities. So you're holding, to take a different metaphor, pour the water that's in your palm into a glass, okay? And maybe there's some mud mixed in with that water. And as you swirl it around, it looks pretty unclear. But as you hold the glass, what happens? It settles, right? And the water itself begins looking quite clear. You can see through it. So with us, our minds are filled with impurities. For this reason, he says, the Buddha taught that first we must quiet our mind. When our mind is still, it becomes pure on its own. Because fundamentally, We are Buddha. Fundamentally, we are pure. We are without any impurity or mud. When our mind is still, it becomes pure on its own. The extraneous noise diminishes. That word extraneous, does he mean the noise outside? What's going on in the mind settles just like the little particles, the sand grains of the Ganges settle. And the moon shining in the sky and the moon in our hands become one and the same moon matched perfectly. So think about that in looking again at the very human experience of relationship. Relationship in all possible senses of the word. The moon shining in the sky and the moon in our hands are experienced as one and the same, matched perfectly. 
how might you say that in terms of someone that you have a relationship with? Not necessarily a love relationship or a work relationship, or just a, someone you know who's involved with something you're both working on together. It could be anything, right? How do you experience what happens that the moon shining in the sky and the moon in our hands become one and the same moon? Matched perfectly. But how do you reach that point of energy and satisfaction? In my experience, it's when, uh, like, when I work really well with someone, um, neither I nor the other person is focused on ourselves. Right. Focus on this other thing, mm. this bigger thing, mm-hmm. and then something bigger takes over. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're giving up your self-protectiveness or your self-absorption for this bigger thing. We may say the bigger thing in our practice would be what? So to see yourself separate from what's out there would be not being matched perfectly, right? So this bigger thing, when you feel everything is matching perfectly, when you've actually gotten out of the way, and you realize, standing on this great high peak, everything around you is one with you, not out there, but in here. And vice versa. Hmm? Mm-hmm. To feel this intimacy with everything. The same moon matched perfectly. What if we relate to a loved one or a work partner or someone we are engaged in doing some important job with. What if we related to the person in question as the same? We may initially feel that's impossible because that person's views are so strong and they just don't match my views, right? So how is that possible? What do we do? Tell them they have to change their views? 
doesn't work. <laughs> hmm? So if we drop our own views, this is very hard when we know that our views are the only right ones, right? It's so hard. You know, if only the rest of the world understood things the way I do, everything would be fine, right? You, everybody feels this way. It's like, well, there's really no problem. It's just that he hasn't caught up to me or some such thing. You know, eventually he'll, he'll get it. We all have this way of thinking. But what if we drop the it that we're waiting for him or her to finally arrive at, the it being our own view? We could do this at any moment. It would be so revolutionary. The other person would be like, huh? What do you mean you agree with me? And then that person having no opposition, might say, hmm, oh, maybe you shouldn't agree with me. Maybe there's something else that I haven't come to yet. So you see, you've created the space for this to happen instead of limiting the ability to see that you are, in fact, the same moon. This is, again, the principle of sameness and differentiation. Each one of us naturally is completely unique, has our own conditioning, our own karma, therefore many, many, many different views from others. And at the same time, there is this same Buddha nature within us that doesn't discriminate, doesn't differentiate, is available to all. And when we can operate from that, we can really work harmoniously together. So, Haradaroshi, to end this passage says to clarify the mind doing no harm while giving life to all that is good there is nothing more essential than this in the teachings of the Buddha this is it This is why we're here, to clarify the mind, to see the full moon wherever we go, reflected in the water in our own hands, to allow the mind to become still, to clarify the mind, all the sediment drops down. Therefore, we are able to do no harm. Okay, we've all taken the Hippocratic Oath as Zen students. You understand? Doctors do this. We are all doctors, the Buddha said. What is the illness that pervades all 
beings. Ignorance. Ignorance creating so much suffering. So we must be spiritual healers. So do no harm is number one for Buddhist Hippocratic Oath. To clarify the mind, doing no harm while giving life to all that is good. This is functioning, activity coming from this realization of original nature. Pure mind, same moon. Giving life to all that is good, doing no harm. But when action is called for to come from that, same moon. And then act in differentiation, how it is functioning. There is nothing more essential than this in the teachings of the Buddha. Someone once asked, you know this probably, someone once asked the Buddha, is loving kindness part of your teaching? He said, no. Loving kindness is the whole of my teaching. 